Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. And we're kicking off a brand new series to kick off a new year. The most important thing about you. And that's what we're going to start talking about even today. We're going to talk about this thing that is central to and essential to who you are and who you will become. Whatever the future may hold for you, it is going to be so essential. And so what we're talking about isn't just like where you came from, your family of origin, your personality, your temperament type, or what you've overcome, or your achievements in this life. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with those kinds of things. It doesn't have anything to do with what people think about you, or even what you think about yourself. The, the way that we're going to uh, define this, this, this statement, the most important thing about you, I think would be best summed up in a profound statement by a theologian pastor, A.W. Tozer, who said it this way, when it comes to what comes into our minds, when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Now that is a very bold statement. Now how could he make such a bold statement? Let, let me answer it this way because he understood something about us that sometimes maybe we forget or maybe you've never known this before and it is reflected in scripture for sure. And if we boiled it down to one particular principle, it'd be this, that your perception affects your relationships. Your perceptions affect your relationships. Now, back in 1993, long time ago, I had graduated from college, and I went to take my first full-time position working at a church in Corpus Christi, Texas. And so I moved down to Corpus Christi, and when I get there, someone told me, hey, there's going to be this young woman that's going to be serving in leadership with you, that's going to be up on the team with you. I was working with youth, a uh, youth group down there at a church, and uh, showed me a picture of her, and told me a little bit about her, said she's a, a Baylor student, she's in a sorority at Baylor. So based on her her picture in the brief information that I got that she was a sorority girl from Baylor, I made a perception of her. I made an assumption about her. And then I met her, okay? And my first thought was, wow, the picture did not do her justice. And <laughs> secondly, as I got to know her, I was like, wow, there is depth, there is maturity here that is uncanny and is uncommon. It is amazing. And so as I got to know her more, my perception of her changed, and so did my relationship. And as that perception continued to change, so did the relationship, and it got deeper and deeper. And that girl is Leslie Lewis, my wife today. And I still continue to be amazed by her. But it is true, nonetheless, that that's the point of the story, is that all of us have perceptions and assumptions that follow us around everywhere we go and everyone that we meet and everyone we don't meet, people that we see, we see on social media, we see pictures, we make assumptions. We make a perception, decision, an image in our head comes into our head about that person and we go with it. And this is why it's so important that the perception that we have of God 
is so incredibly important for us to look at and to zero in on because the perception of God, whatever your perception of God is, whatever comes into your mind when you think about God, whether it's somebody to be afraid of or it's an old grandpa that you know you can curl up in his lap and tell him what you want like a Santa Claus, whatever that is, whatever you think about God, and maybe even more importantly, what you think God thinks about you will have more bearing, it will have more weight and be more important to the shaping of your relationship with him than anything else in this world. It has more weight in terms of whether you ever trust God, whether you ever trust his word, whether you ever follow God, you ever obey his word. It comes back to that image and how close you allow yourself to grow towards God in terms of intimacy, how humble and how like open and submissive and, and, and willing to be used by God that you become will all come down to this image perception that you have of God. And I think we would all agree, when it comes to your creator, my creator, the God of the universe, the source of all wisdom, purpose, meaning, the source of all salvation, mercy, and grace for people, like, it doesn't get any more important than this. You owe it to yourself, and more importantly, you owe it to God to make sure that your perception, your image, and your mind that you have of God is accurate according to how God has actually revealed himself. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what this series is all about over the next several weeks, next couple of months, actually. We're gonna go through the attributes of God and talk about him so that we may know him and hopefully, my prayer is, not only that you would know him better, that you would love him more. Because as you come to know, just like my story about Leslie, as you come to know someone better, you, you tend to want to love them more because you, you're more intimate with the knowledge and the, and, the, and the contact with that person. So same happens for God. In this series, we will clarify your perception of God. And I don't care how long you have considered yourself a follower of God, if you do, or just a religious person, or how much information, biblical information, maybe you have been a seminary student at some point in the past, I promise you, there are deficits somewhere in your image of God, your perception of him. There are places where you could be fortified. You could have strengthened um, the walls and, and, and concepts of how you understand who God is. So over the next several weeks, we're gonna unpack those and really strengthen that for everyone. And I think it's gonna create some beautiful faith steps forward that could really make such a huge difference. So how do we begin? Here's where I'd like to begin. I'd like to start by asking the question, what was God's intent when he created you? And he created me as the human race. What did he have in mind? Why? Why did he make us? What's our purpose? What are we supposed to be fulfilling while we're down here? Okay, great question to start with, right? The Apostle Paul, he unveils the answer to this question in his letter to the church in Colossae, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. Here's what he says about why did God create us. He says this, For in him all things were created. By the way, him being God, right? All things were created. All things have been created, let's say the highlighted words together, have been created through him and for him. 
Notice the dual nature of the purpose behind your and my creation. First, you were created by him. In other words, you are not a random accident. No one here was an accident. I don't care what the circumstances were around your birth, whether the people had planned you or not planned you, God did. God, on purpose, had you come to this planet. And because of that, that means you are incredibly important to him, you have great value to him, and he loves you. Why? Because you were created by him. You came from him, okay? Secondly, we were created for him. We were created for him. In other words, the central purpose of our life, why we exist both today and forevermore, for every human being, is divine. It is found in God and God alone. And that he has put inside of every one of us a, um, a, a longing for and a capacity for connection with him. He made us this way to want it, to long for it, to look for it, to seek for it, connection with God. It's like a homing device inside of every one of us that's trying to get us home. It's trying to get us back to God. Now, people get sidetracked and they think, they get enamored with things of this world. They think, oh, no, this is going to satisfy. Oh, no, this is going to do it for me. And we have a deceiver in the world. Jesus is very clear about this that wants to put all kinds of counterfeits in front of us. Idols, as they're called in the Old Testament, that, that are counterfeit gods, but they feel like, man, money, Sex, power, to just name a few. They're, like They come in lots of different forms, but they tend to rob us of the thing that our soul actually is longing for, and that is a desire to be connected with the God of the universe that created us. The disciple, the apostle Luke, writes about this in his New Testament book, The Acts of the Apostle. We just know it as the book of Acts. But it was the story of how the church got started. How did God begin the church? And what's beautiful is in Acts chapter 17, verses 25 and 27, Luke unveils for us this beautiful answer to um, what did God have in mind when he created us? Let's take a look at this together. He himself, talking about God again, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Why? What was his intent? What was he up to? God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Isn't that beautiful? And he put it in us to seek him, to want him, and that he is not very far from any one of us, even though he feels very far away. I remember um, an elder in my church growing up that was a real mentor to me, he told me, no matter how far people drift away from God, you are always just one prayer away from getting back right with him. Just one prayer away. He is always not far from any one of us. That's his desire. That's what his heart is for us. And, and, and this is in us to want this. Now, I want to share with you another profound quote from A.W. Tozer where he says this, he says, we tend by secret law of the soul, I love that poetic language there, secret law of the soul, to move towards our mental image of God. It's in all of us to move towards our perception of our mental image of God, be it right or wrong. 
Because some of us are moving towards an image that isn't right. This is why it's so important for us to back up. And, and I would just say, this is a bold statement for those who are watching this online, those of you who are live in person here today, that there are some of us here that have latched onto a false or a dangerous, a harmful view or concept, image of God. And, and that image either has caused you to move towards a God that's not really reflective of the true God as he has revealed himself, or it's caused you to be fearful of God and you have backed away, like I can't trust him, I can't, there's no way I can have a relationship with him, or you think that it's just irrelevant. He can't do anything anyway. I'm not gonna have a relationship with a, a God like that. You have adopted a wrong perception. So this is why it's so important that we get a right perception. This is, and these wrong perceptions come by well-meaning people in our life. We all have adopted our view of God from, from other people. We're, we're social creatures. We learn from each other. And so it was your family. It was your friends. Maybe it was the religious culture that you grew up in that formulated this. Maybe it was a professor that you had that kind of either hurt or helped your view of God. Maybe it was something you watched on YouTube or on social media that you kind of glommed that on and you've kind of attached all these different pieces to your image of God and you don't even realize that you've got this sort of patchwork cobbled together image of God. And some of it may be true, some of it isn't. And part of what's hurt your relationship and made it hard for you to ever come to really know who God is is because you don't have an accurate picture of him. This is why it is so important that in our minds that we capture an accurate picture of who God has revealed himself to be. And here's why that is so important. Because the heart cannot believe what the mind does not know. The heart, your, the, the center of your trust, your ability to place faith in God, you can't place faith in, you can't have trust in something that you don't even know that you, you're not aware of, you're not cognizant of. This is why it is so powerful that we have the knowledge of God, that we store it, we hold on to it, we memorize it, we keep it with us of who he actually is. This is why Jesus, when he gave the greatest commandment, he said, you want to remember the greatest commandment that there is to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Isn't that interesting? He made sure the mind was in there. Almost like you need to understand that one of the most powerful and important things about you is your mind. It's what you put your mind to is what you accomplish. What you get talked out of and believe in your mind, you will never try. It is the, most of the emotions, both frustration and depression or elation you have in this life that comes from thoughts that you have dwelt on in your mind. Your mind is so much more powerful than you realize. It's a gift from God, but it is only gonna be used at its greatest potential when it is leveraged for God. You see that? Made by God for for God, when we begin to understand that it is a gift, yes, but it is a gift that only works correctly. Like we, the only time we put the key in the ignition and get the car started and actually go enjoy the new car God gave us is when we surrender the mind back to God and allow him to begin to shape for us who he really is. This is so incredibly important. So where do we begin to develop an accurate image of God? Well, always the answer is, let's begin with his son, okay? Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. He came to show us who God is, that he is God with flesh on him, 
<clears throat> he said the things that God would say. He was God in the flesh. And here's what Jesus did for us in his first and most famous sermon that he gave in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Right in the middle of that, in chapter 6, he unpacks for us, here's how I want you to understand the way in which you're to relate with God, the way in which you're to communicate with God, to pray to him, talk to him. What kind of relationship? Like, give us a define the relationship moment here. Jesus, what kind of relationship do we have with God? Should we run in fear each time God comes uh, into our life or to, to interact with him? How should we relate? And in chapter 6, verse 9, he tells us this. <clears throat> this then is how you should pray. This then is how you should pray. Let's say it together. Our Father. Jesus is showing us, he taught us to relate to God first and foremost as a Father. Before you understand any other attribute or character quality of who God is, he's omniscient, he knows everything. He's omnipotent, he's all-powerful. He's omnipresent, he's, all, he's, he's present everywhere, right? Before any of those omnis, before any of the, the great, beautiful, theological, deep concepts about God, you need to understand he's a daddy. He's a father. He's a dad at heart. This is who he is. And it's not something that he just started to become when Jesus got here. Right? This isn't just a, like, let me put my dad mask on. Like, or let me just, like, okay, I'm ruler, judge, but also let me move over here. Part of me is father. But let's look at the heart of God going all the way backwards. What was God doing for all eternity before creation? You ever wondered that? Like, what is he doing before he made us? Before he made this universe? What was he up to? Great question. Deep theological question here. But I'm going to really simplify it for you. Again, the answer to this comes from Jesus. Jesus reveals the answer to this. Of what was God's role in the universe before he created the universe as we know it and us? He, he tells us in the last couple of statements, last couple of verses here, or the last verse here, in a prayer that he prayed in John 17, right before his trial and crucifixion, Jesus unloads this beautiful insight in chapter 17, verse 24 of John. He says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and, and to see my glory, the glory that you have given me because, now notice this, this is so beautiful, you have loved me before the creation of the world. Just think about that for a minute. Before there was anything before God created, before he ruled the world, before anything else, he was simply a father loving his son. There was just this love relationship. Couldn't get enough of each other. Beautiful, pure, incredible. And he still feels that way about his son. And guess what? He feels the same way about every son and daughter that he has beautiful he is a father first and foremost he is a father before all else and what's beautiful is that we see this going all the way back this didn't just start with jesus in the new testament this goes all the way back to the early books of the old testament exodus and deuteronomy when god brings his children israel up out of egypt he rescues them from this slavery poverty and and just absolute 
abject, horrible conditions that they were in. He says, I'm doing this as a father. That, that I, am as a fa- I am a father to the nation of Israel. And he says, and I will protect you like a father. I will provide for you like a father. I will provide manna by day, by day, like a father every day. I want you to trust me. I want an intimate love relationship with you that's daily. That's why he provided that manna every day. They had to go out every day. He didn't give them a bunch of cash and, money and food and supplies up front. Because they'd be like, check you later, God. (laughs) We're good for months and months and months. But he wanted them to come to him daily and to thank him daily and to be in a relationship with him daily. And you see this reflected even in Jesus' prayer that he gives us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Um, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. He wants that same relationship with you and I to keep it going right? He wants that kind of relationship, and he's saying, I love you. I want to have that kind of closeness. I want to have that intimacy, and then when we come to Psalm 103, verse 13, I love this. This is hundreds of years later now into the biblical narrative, into Israel setting up their kingdom uh, in the promised land. He says, this is my desire. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Now, this is the desire. This is the kind of relationship that he wants. And this word fear many times has gotten hijacked and misunderstood in the Old Testament. The people kind of equate it with horror, terror, scared to death. God's going to come after you. He's going to get you, right? But this word actually means, fear means awe-filled respect deepest reverence and honor it's understanding whoa truly god where would i be without you your forgiveness your grace your mercy your love your gift of life your gift of opportunities your gift of this family that i'm a part of this gift of everything my my future my my present my past there are things that god has provided and only he could provide and his love for you, and the promise of eternity with him, if you're his child today, it is beautiful. And what's more is that we see this exact kind of relationship reflected in Jesus himself towards his Father. This awe-filled respect, deepest reverence, and honor towards his Father. He's showing us. He's setting an example. And what's beautiful is that we see that Jesus did this throughout his life. Even the earliest statement we ever, the first statement ever recorded by Jesus as a 12-year-old boy in Luke chapter 2, verse 49, his parents had lost him. They went to Jerusalem to go to the um, Passover festival, and they're hanging out with friends and family, and there's like large numbers of people there, and they lose Jesus. Okay, so if you've ever lost track of your child, know you're in good company. Mary and Joseph lost the Son of God, okay? They lose him for like three days. They're looking everywhere, and they finally find him at the temple. And they, and, I mean, and Mary kind of lets him have it. She's like, Jesus, why, how could you do this to us? We were frantically looking everywhere for you. And his response is classic. Didn't you know? I would be in my father's house. He's showing us relate first to him as father. That's the way I do. And that's the relationship that your heart cries out for anyway. 
And because if we can be really honest, many of us maybe didn't have a perfect relationship with our fathers. And God says, and I can, <clears throat> I can be all for you that he could never be for you. Even if you had a great relationship with your father, he's not God. God fills a hole and desire, a longing, a seeking our heart has like nothing else and no one else <clears throat> can fill so what does this mean for God to be a father <clears throat> to us? It means that God isn't just putting on a mask, that it is who he is. It isn't just part of who he is. It is who he is through and through, that he is father, and that every role that God has should be seen as a fatherly role, that when God creates, he's creating as a father. When he rules, he's ruling as a father. When he extends love, he's loving as a father. When he extends mercy and grace and salvation, he's doing it as a father. And this is radically different, ladies and gentlemen, than most people's perception of who God is. And, and because of that, it causes people to be very reluctant to fully trust God, to trust his word, to, to, to not want to obey and follow God, obey his word, it keeps distance between us and God. You see how powerful that perception of God is. The most important thing about you is what you believe, what you, the image that, of God that you have in your head about him. And you need to understand that God, first and foremost, he loves you. He is the source of all love and life. He created you. You were created by him and for him. He is your life. Your life has a divine origin and it only functions at its highest capacity when it functions within the divine relationship that it was created for. And so God has created you, he's given you life and the only way you can sustain that life, he is the source of your daily life. He is your daily bread, right? Coming back to him over and over and over. God, I need you today. I can't make it today. I can't tell you how many times I have prayed that. Like just almost every single day, I pray that prayer. Lord, give me today my daily bread. I need you, God. Just to do the other things in the prayer, like your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I find myself thinking, God, how do I even get a heart that is responsive to you as the angels and the heavenly hosts are to you? That's what his desire is, that I'm thinking about him. I'm aware of him all throughout the day. That may sound incredible, fantasy, like fantasy land, like, like that's not possible, but he built you to live this way. He built me like that too, to be aware of his presence all throughout the day, to walk with him, to listen and talk to him throughout the day and to, to take full advantage, to let him, to be able to forgive my debt as I also have forgiven other people's debts, just to be able to forgive all the offenses and ugly stuff that's been done to you. You can't do that in yourself. I can't either. We have to have a loving Heavenly Father to show us how. I really believe we can't even know what true life is, abundant life, or love without our Heavenly Father. We can't even understand and follow and live out those terms without Him. He's the source of both. 
And that love and that life came to its fullest fruition, fullest expression in his son, Jesus Christ. In John chapter 6, verse 40, Jesus says this, For my Father's will, this is his desire, this is what he wants, his will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes, there again, places faith in, trust in, that's what this word believes me, believes in, shall have eternal life. You want to talk about a lot of life. This is the kind of life that never ends. It goes on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and you're just getting started. God's saying that's the kind of life. There's nothing else, no one else that can promise and deliver that kind of life but me. You can trust me. I love you, and I'm giving you. This is what I want. This is what I will. This is what I desire for you to come and trust. And in John chapter 1, verse 12 Jesus, we're told this about Jesus, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe, there again, to trust in, place faith in, in his name, he gave the right to become, let's say it together, to become children of God. That's right. He's saying, I want you to be my kids. I want you in my family. That God so loved, there's that love, the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. He was motivated out of his love to give us life forever, starting today and every day after. This is what the Father of heaven wants for you. The ball's in your court. What are you going to do? His heart is that you would come close to him, that you would seek him. He is not far from any one of us. He is near right now. And for some of you, he may be nearer to you right now in this service and in this time watching this online than he has been in quite some time. He's knocking on your door of your heart and he is saying, let me in. I desire to be your father. I desire to be everything for you that other people have failed you on over and over, have broken your heart, hurt you, abandoned you, stole from you, neglected you, took advantage of you. But I'm not that way, God says. I, I can be trusted. And I love how the Apostle Paul says it in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. And this is God speaking. And I will be a father to you, to you. And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This is the relationship that God desires for us. What a gift. What a gift. And you don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be a good guy or a good girl to lay hold of it. You don't have to do anything but receive it. Trust. Place faith in Him and He will do the work in you and I if we'll let Him. Right now, I'd like to ask you to move into a time of prayer with me. And here's the prayer I'm asking you to pray. And you can put it in your own words, but simply in, as a response to this message today. Heavenly Father, help me to clarify my perception of you as my loving Heavenly Father so that I will trust you, obey you, and grow closer to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. That's God's desire. 
And guess what? Whether you realize it or not right now, it is actually the desire of every one of our hearts. He built us this way. He created, designed us, wired us up like this with that homing device. It's like, I want to get home to my father. I want to know him. I want to walk with him. I want his power, his, his, his assistance. I want his, his presence with me all the time. And that may sound like preacher talk, but it is real. It is the reality that Jesus says, come, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come and learn from me and take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and humble at heart, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You come and enter into this relationship and it will change the way you live. It will change how you understand you and God and this world around you for the better. And there is no substitute. There is no substitute. Commandment one and two, have no other God before me and make not for yourself an idol of any other thing. He says, before we talk about anything else, you need to understand, I have to have preeminence as your father. I am first and foremost, and anything that competes with me is poison to your soul. Open your heart to me. Let me in. Let me have the place that I created for you to function within a relationship with me. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.